All right, grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles tonight. And look with me in the book of Acts. We are going through the book of Acts. If you're new uh, to Wednesday night Bible study, we have been going through the book of Acts for several weeks now. And uh, we are in Acts chapter number 20 tonight. Acts chapter number 20. Uh, we have been uh, going through Paul's missionary journeys. Uh, he is He has spent time in Ephesus, about three years in Ephesus, probably uh, the most time that he spent anywhere. And uh, this church is dear to Paul. And uh, so we're going to skip ahead just a little bit, a few verses uh, in chapter number 20. And tonight we're going to discuss the, the farewell address to the Ephesian elders, to those who he has left behind to lead the churches there, the congregations there in Ephesus. And, uh, and, and this is going to be a great study tonight. So leading up to that, leading up to that from where we stopped, uh, last week, there was a, there was a riot in Ephesus that was calmed down. Uh, really nothing came out of that. And then, then we see Paul has, uh, an all night, uh, preaching service. They say, I'm long winded. My man preached all night long. Man falls out of the window. Uh, and, and he is, he is, he is, uh, lost his life. He dies. Paul brings him back from the dead and, uh, and then continues on preaching to the break of day. Uh, and that, that is in between where we stopped last week and where we're going to be this week. Now, now what we are seeing, Paul is going back to Jerusalem. He is finishing up, uh, his third missionary journey. And he has gone around, he has gone around Macedonia uh, to the different Gentile churches and, and received love offerings and received uh, uh, help to take back to those who are struggling, those who are having difficulty in Jerusalem, uh, the Jews there, uh, because of the famine that's there, the poor that's there. And he is doing his best to connect the, the Gentile and the Jews together and bond them in love and concern. And so he has this offering. He has uh, what they have given all through Macedonia uh, to bring back to the Jerusalem church. And now he's fixing to leave. And the key thing is he knows, he knows he most likely is not coming back. He tells them in this chapter that he says, I'll see your face no more. And so these are basically, if you will, Paul's last Words, Paul's last encouragement to his uh, dearly beloved brethren there in Ephesus. So if you have your Bibles, look in Acts chapter number 20 and we'll begin in verse number 16. Acts chapter 20, verse 16. For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia for he hasted if it were possible for him to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mine and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house." Uh, I have heard people say Acts 2020 is the 2020 vision for the church, teaching publicly in the congregational worship in the church, and then from house to house. So you have the large group uh, assembly, you have the large group meetings, and you also have the small group meetings, the house to house. Uh, it says in verse 21, 
testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock also of your own selves, shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all other, or excuse me, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him under the ship. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your blessings and I thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to, Lord, just to, just to dive into your word again and, and, Lord, dissect the truth that you've given us today. Lord, we can sense Paul's affection for his companions in ministry, uh, Lord, for his sons and daughters in the faith. And, Lord, I pray right now that you will speak to our hearts and help us, Lord, encourage us. There's so many things going on in this world right now, so many things in our country that's discouraging, disturbing. And Lord, that we really need your guidance. We need your wisdom. We need your direction, Lord, to take the right steps and do the right things. Lord, help us today, whatever, whatever we're facing as an individual, whoever's watching, and, and, and Lord, whoever has tuned in today, whatever they're going through, I pray that you will encourage them and lift them up and help them. Lord, I pray that you will speak to us tonight through your word. Give us something tonight that's going to help us be better than we were yesterday, that will be closer to you and draw closer in our relationship to you. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Now let's look. Let's look in uh, the first couple of verses that we read. Let's start with verse number seventeen. Let's start with verse number seventeen. And and I want to I want to give you kind of a, a, a little word study to begin with to know who we're talking to. Uh, Paul has got the leaders and he brought them to himself uh, from the church of Ephesus. Now keep in mind, keep in mind uh, this 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 is the the place that he spent three years 
focusing. Uh, his priority was to serve the Lord. His priority was to teach the saints and then win the loss. That Those three things was his top list. That's what he mostly focused on. He would win people to Christ and begin to teach them and disciple them and help them to begin their walk with Christ and to serve the Lord. And he spent three years here in Ephesus. Now, he knows he's not going to be able to come back. He knows that he is, he's already, he has faith and confidence in those that he has trained and disciples and brought up. And now he's able to let them go and send them forth, uh, to lead and to take care of the church that he has planted. But he's got a few things to tell them. He's got a few things he wants to remind them of. And, and he's got some last words of encouragement, last words of discipleship, if you will, uh, last words of charge and blessing. And uh, so let's dive into them today, all right? The Bible says in chapter number 17, or verse number 17, and from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church, the elders of the church. Now let's, let's study that word a little bit. The word elder is presbytus in the Greek, or presbyter, we, we use the word, and refers to a mature person who has been selected to serve an office. We see that in Acts 14, 23. These same people are called overseers in Acts 20, 28, which is episcopus or where we get our word bishop. It's translated bishop. They were chosen to feed the church, Acts 20, 28, which means to shepherd, to shepherd. Paul called the local church a flock. He called and he, and he de- de- described it and illustrated the church as a flock of sheep, uh, So these men were also pastors. The word pastor means shepherd. Thus, in the New Testament, we have three words that describe the same office. Elder, bishop, and pastor. This is synonymous. It describes the same person describing the different functions and responsibilities they have. So Paul is is looking to bring in the pastors, if you will, of the congregations there in Ephesus. Uh, it might be multiple pastors of one congregation or, or pastors of multiple uh, different assemblies and gatherings there in Ephesus. And we see these elders are coming, these people that he has won to Christ, these people that he has discipled and he has trained and he has developed and he has matured and he has uh, invested and, and deposited in them what was put in him. It's the same thing he told Timothy. He said, that which thou hast learned of me, commit thou to faithful men that they may be able to teach others also. That is the process of discipleship. And he brings them to himself. And he says in verse 18, And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. So he begins... He begins the instruction to them by telling them about the past. He starts with the past. Then he talks a little bit about the present and then about the future, what's going to take place. So if you're writing down notes, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. First, we see the testimony, the testimony he defended. He he said, I want you to look at my behavior. I want you to look back from the very first time I was with you, the very first time that you met me, I want you to look at what I have done. I want you to look at how I behave. I want you to look at the actions that I took. Now, here's the deal. Discipleship, discipleship is all about example. It's all about example. Godly leaders are to lead by example. Paul told Timothy, 
Do what I do. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow the example that's laid. And if we're going to be disciple makers, if we're going to be the people of God who go and make disciples like he has called and commanded us to do, we're going to do it by example. Not just by what we tell them, but by what we show them. We don't need to tell them how to live and tell them how to act and tell them how to be. Listen, we need to show them. We need to be it in front of them. Be thou an example. So he tells them, look back. Look back, remember how I behaved in front of you. Several things I want to give you here. If you're taking notes under the testimony he defended, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. First, in, in verse number uh, verse number 19, look in verse number 19. <clears throat> he says after, let me let the end of verse 18. Let's go back to verse 18. He said, you know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, watch this, verse 19, serving The Lord, serving the Lord. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Under the testimony that he defended, I want you to see his motive. His motive. He begins to tell them why he did what he did. He said, I am serving the Lord. Everything that you do, I don't care. I don't care if you're a preacher, a teacher, a deacon, an elder, uh, a Sunday school teacher, a, a helper, a volunteer. I don't care if you work at the church. I don't care if you are a painter. I don't care if you are a ditch digger, a dirt worker, a doctor, a lawyer. No matter who you are and no matter where you work, you are serving the Lord. You are to do everything unto the Lord. It doesn't, you don't have to work at a church to serve the Lord. You serve the Lord no matter where you're at. The Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, wherefore, or excuse me, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. What Paul is saying here, he says the motive that pushed me to do what I did and to live the way I live and to behave the way I behave is because I wanted to serve the Lord. I am a slave unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what is your motive? What, how are you living your life? Do you see yourself bringing glory to God in your, in your, in your, in your talk? Do you bring glory to God in your walk? Uh, listen, the way you behave at work, the way you behave it in play, wherever you go, are you bringing glory to God? Now, let me, let me simplify that. Let me simplify that because sometimes uh, we, we, we talk in ways that, 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 that some people don't understand. What, what does it mean? What does it mean to bring glory to God? I'll tell you what it means. The simplest way I can put this is that you make God look good. You make God look good. When they, when people look at you, they say, whoo, man, I tell you what, God's been good to him. Or, or I, man, he represents God in an awesome way. He makes God look good by his behavior, by his words, by, his, oh, look out. How are you making God look? Now you're, 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 you're a representative. You're an ambassador of Christ. How do we make Christ look in our behavior? Now it's easy. It's easy to be what we're supposed to be in the church house or wherever we're gathered together with other Christians. But what about in traffic when somebody cuts you off or what? Anyway, let's go on to be right there. Okay. Are we glorifying God? Are we living our life to serve him? Do we see it that way? Do we see when we go to work, we're serving the Lord. 
when we're ministering to others, we're serving the Lord. We want to please Him who's called. And Paul said, that was my main motive. My main motive is to serve the Lord. But then look what it says. He said, here's how I'm going to serve Him. With all humility of mind. With all humility of mind. This is His manner. This is the way He served the Lord. His motive was serving the Lord. His manner was with all humility. There, you know what? There, there's probably, especially in the New Testament, especially in the New Testament. But most likely, if there was anybody, and, and, and I can prove this, because if there was anybody that could have been prideful and lifted up, it was the Apostle Paul. Matter of fact, it was so such a big deal and such a huge possibility that Paul could get lifted up in pride that God gave him a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. But watch what he says. Watch what he says. He says, this is, this is the Apostle Paul who wrote tons of scripture in the New Testament, who planted tons of churches and discipled humongous amounts of people and did so many incredible things for God. Watch what he says. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 6. Unto me who am, watch what he said, who am less than the least of all the saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 9. You probably don't have these because I put these in late. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. He says, for I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Isn't that amazing? Probably the most spectacular character of all of the New Testament said, man, I'm, 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 I'm the least of the apostles. I'm the least of the saints. That's how he viewed himself. And he said, whatever I am, whatever I am, whatever you see in my life, whatever good that comes about me, whatever good is in me, it's just by the grace of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Man, that's what we need to be. That's the way we need to be. That's the way we need to live. That's the way we need to operate. Pride goeth before a fall. The Bible says, humble thyself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. God, listen, we must humble ourselves. Live in that way. His manner was, was, listen, a life of humility. It was a life of humility. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. I'm the least of the saints. I'm the least of the apostles. Then we see his message. Look at his message. He said in verse, <clears throat> let's see. Let's get down. Verse number, verse number, uh, verse number 21. Testifying both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. He said this, my message has been the same no matter where I go. No matter where I go, repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we turn from our sin and we turn to our Savior. Every, every gospel message should have those two things in it, those two elements in it, repentance and faith. Repentance and faith, turning from sin and turning to God. He said everywhere he went, everywhere he went, his message was the same. 
He said, it didn't matter if I was talking to the Jews or also to the Gentiles. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch what he says, verse 22. And now, and now. So verses 17 through 21 is the past. He, this, he said, this is, this is how I operated among you. This is what you've seen in me. And he said, let me tell you what's, what's going to happen. Let me tell you what I'm seeing. Now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Now, what is he saying? He said, everywhere I go, God is showing me that what is waiting on me is not good. I'm going to be bound. I'm going to be arrested. Uh, in, in other words, I see in my future very difficult times. When I get to Jerusalem, it's not going to be good. It's, there's not going to be a welcome wagon there to welcome me home or welcome me back to Jerusalem. There's going to be a welcome wagon, all right, but it's not going to be good. Everywhere I go, God is showing me that there's something bad waiting on me. But watch what he says. Watch what he says. In verse number 24. But, what's that word? What's that word? None. Say it at home. If you're watching at home, say that. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify, this was the ministry he had, to testify the gospel of grace of God. All right, now, here's what I want you to write down. First thing we seen, first thing we seen was the testimony he defended. In other words, his behavior, his way of living amongst them, uh, his testimony. Your testimony is basically your, your story, your life story. So his testimony, he said, look how I lived among you. That's the past. Now he's talking about what's fixing to happen. He's talking about the present, what, is, what, he's, what he's dealing with right now. Now, here's what I want you to write down. The tenacity he displayed. Not the testimony, but the tenacity he displayed. He's getting bad news. <clears throat> he's getting uh, 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 evidence that what he's facing is going to be very, very difficult. But look at this. Three things I want you to see under that. Three things I want you to write down under the tenacity he displayed. He said, he said I don't care about those things. I don't care about what I hear. I don't care about the threats being made. I don't care. Listen, that's not, that's not moving me one bit. He said, it is not going to deter me one bit. I don't count my life dear. In other words, he said, I'm not so fearful of my own life that I can't finish what God gave me to do. And so we see a tenacity here. It didn't matter what was going on in the world. It didn't matter what his future held. He was going to be obedient to God and do what God had called him. So three things I want you to write down. First, we see the course, the course he had to finish. The course he had to finish. Look what he says. He says, neither, none of these things move me. They're not going to keep me. They're not going to keep me from accomplishing what God's called me to do. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course. I might finish my course. Now, what was the course? It was a race. It was a race. Uh, it was a race. We use the word race course. I, and and uh, I want to illustrate it this way. Uh, you have, you have a, 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 a certain course that you had to run. 
You know, people run 5Ks and they have to go through certain neighborhoods and, and they have the course marked out for them that you got to stay on the path, you got to stay on the course. And, and what he's saying here, that God has laid out a course for his life, a course for his purpose in life. So he has a course to finish. Guess what? You do too. We all have a course. We all have a race to run. And, and by the way, by the way, everybody's course and everybody's race is not the same. And, and this is why, this, this is how I want to illustrate that. Write this beside what you just wrote. All right, write this beside uh, the course to finish. I want you to put maybe dash or whatever, whatever's best for you, like how you, I, 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 put, I put parentheses around it and I highlighted it in orange so I, I, it would stand out to me. The course was the where. The course was the where. In, in other words, his course led him through Macedonia. His course led him through Ephesus. His course led him through Greece and Asia. Uh, his course was not to stay in Jerusalem. His course was not to stay right there like some of the, some of the other apostles. They stayed, their, their course was there in Jerusalem. They stayed in Jerusalem. But his was to go throughout the world. He had a course. God gave him a course for his life. But then, write this down. We see the calling to fulfill. Not only the course to finish, but the calling to fulfill. And what does that mean? If you put dash out there beside that, if you put, and, and, I, and I, I skipped a, I skipped a word, I skipped a, a verse here. It says, I have fought, this is Second Timothy, this is when Paul's just about to, He's about to check out of here. He's fixing to be uh, uh, martyred for the faith. And he's, and, he's, and he's encouraging Timothy, by the way, who was the pastor of the church of Ephesus. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. My course, the one God's given me. I have kept the faith. Look, look what it says. Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews 12.1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set. That What, what is set? The course where I'm going to run. The, the race that is set before us. So the course to finish is the where, all right? Then the call fulfill, that's the what. That's the what. So put dash what there beside it. Now what was he supposed to do? On the course. Well, wherever he went, the course that God took him, he was to preach, he was to preach the gospel of the grace of God. So if he went to Macedonia, he was to preach the gospel of the grace of God. If he went to Greece, it was to preach the gospel of the grace of God. If it was to go to Ephesus, it, no matter where he went, he was to preach the gospel of the grace of God. You see, the course was the where. And then the calling he said, I am to preach the gospel. I am a debtor to preach the gospel. He said, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. He said in Romans chapter, I believe it's Romans chapter number one. He said, I am ready and with all that in me is to preach the gospel. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel where it is the power of God and the salvation. Why was he so intent? Why was he so uh, uh, excited? Why was he so passionate about it? Because that was his what that was his calling it was a ministry given to him by the lord jesus christ 
The course was the where. The calling was the what? He was to preach the gospel. And you say, where do you get that? That is at the end of verse 24. Watch what he says. And that I might finish my course, that's the where, and the ministry, that's what he did on the course, all right, y'all with me? The ministry, which is preaching, he says, the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, what was that ministry? To testify the gospel of the grace of God, all right? Now, I want you to see this. This is big. This is big. I want you to see, I want you to see the Christ to face. The Christ to face. We see the course to finish. The calling to fulfill. But then the Christ to face. Where in the world do you get that? Look at, look in, look in verse number 25. Look in verse number 25. It's going to come out of verse 26, but we'll read 25 and go into 26. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, wherefore, watch this now, watch this. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. I am pure from the blood of all men. Now, where's he taking that? What what kind of phrase is that? What does that mean? He's pure from the blood of all men. That is coming from the Old Testament in the time of the watchman. Now, if you'll remember by reading the Old Testament, the watchman had to watch for the enemy coming. He had to watch for the enemy coming. And if he saw the enemy coming, he was to yell a warning to the people. He was in the watchtower and he was watching. And if the enemy came, he was to yell and warn the people about the coming danger and the coming uh, uh, enemy. If he yelled and they did not prepare themselves, then their blood was not on his hands. But if he failed to do his job, if he failed to fulfill his responsibility, and he did not warn the people of the approaching enemy and the approaching danger, then the blood that was shed of the people would be on him. In other words, he would be responsible for their, their demise. He would be responsible for their blood being shed. And what Paul is saying here, he says, I'm pure from the blood of all men. One day I'm going to stand before Christ. One day I'm going to stand before Christ and give account for my ministry and give account for my life and my behavior. And I'm going to be able to say, I preached the gospel. I told it like it was. I told men that Jesus saved. And I, I gave the information that I was supposed to give. I preached the warning and I told them about the danger that was coming. And I warned them about the enemy that was coming. So my hands are going to be clean. Now, what is Paul saying? He said, I've got, I've got, now watch this, watch this now. Here's the word. The course was the where. Remember? The course was the where. The calling was the what? It's what he did on the course. Wherever God, his course led him, he preached the gospel. Now we see the Christ to face is the wine. Write that down. Put that beside it. It is the wine. In other words, I preach like I preach because I'm going to stand before Christ one day. I minister like I minister. I, I am tenacious in my behavior. I'm passionate about what I do and what I say. I'm committed to the gospel and I'm committed to getting the gospel to every creature. Why? 
Because one day we'll answer to God for the privileges and the calling and the ministry He's given to all of us. So, He talks about a course to finish. That's the where. He talks about a calling to fulfill the ministry Jesus gave Him. And that was the ministry of the gospel, preaching and sharing and spreading the gospel. And then He talks about being pure of the blood of all men. He said, one day I'm going to be able to stand innocent. I shared the truth. I warned people. I told them of what's to come. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.10, we, we, we looked at this. We looked at this Sunday. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We know one day... We're going to receive a reward according to our, our, our course that we have run. Number three, and we're, we're about done. We're about done. Number three, I want you to see the task that he delivered. This is future now. This is future now. He talked about the past. He talked about the present, what he is intending to do and how he's intending to fulfill his calling and fulfill his course. But now he, he turns and directs his attention to them. He told him all about himself and what, what he is facing, what he is dealing with. And now he's wanting to address them and their responsibilities and their, uh, uh, their course to run. Look what it says in, in verse number, uh, verse number, let's go to verse number 27. Well, let's go back to verse 26 again. Let's, let's rehearse that one. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. How can he say that? How can he say that? Verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. He's innocent. He's told them all. He's told them all. Now, verse 28. Now he's addressing them. Take heed. Take heed. That word means be cautious. Pay attention to. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know, I know, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among... Now you say, how does he know all that? Everywhere he's gone, they followed him. Everywhere Paul has ministered, everywhere Paul has planted churches, everywhere Paul has served God, there has been false teachers come in behind him and try to destroy the work of the ministry. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, you, you got to understand this and you got to get this in your head. It doesn't matter where you are. If, if God is moving in a place, Satan's going to be right behind him. If God is working in a place and God is blessing in a place, Satan is going to try his best to get his claws in and destroy what God is doing. Now, look what it says. He said, I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, twisted things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, because of what I just said, because of the wolves and because of the men rising up and, and twisting things and teaching false doctrine, because of that, he says, therefore, watch, watch, pay attention, 
Be careful, be cautious, keep your eyes open. And remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. I want you to see number three. What was number, let's go back to number one. We see the testimony he defended. Number two, the tenacity, the tenacity that he displayed. Then number three, I want you to see the task that he delivered. The task that he delivered. Three things real quickly. Real quickly. First, first, he told them about a personal responsibility. Watch what he says. Watch what he says. Verse 28. You remember, take heed means to be careful, to be cautious, to watch. Take heed, therefore, unto what? Yourselves. Yourselves. He addresses, he addresses their personal responsibility. Let me give you a verse. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. This is Paul speaking about himself. He says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. 1 Timothy 4, 16. He's instructing and encouraging Timothy. He says, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continuing them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now let me go back to 1 Corinthians 9. But I, 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 Paul speaking, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. In other words, he's very careful about his life. He's very careful about his behavior. He's very careful about his actions. In other words, before I tell somebody else what to do and how to live and how to behave, he said, I address myself first. I get myself in line with the way it needs to be. Before I tell somebody else to straighten up, I tell myself to straighten up. Before I expect somebody else to be right with God, I get right with God. I am right with God. I need to be careful of who I am. I need to be careful of how I live. I need to be careful of what I do. I need to be careful about how I behave. I need to be careful. I need to take care of myself first before I try to care for somebody else. And it's talking, spiritually speaking, in their life. Now, here, here's, a, here's an illustration. I don't know if you've ever flown in a plane before, but if you've ever flown in a big jet, <clears throat> if you've ever flown in a big jet, uh, the, 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 the stewardess will come out before the plane takes off. Nobody pays attention. It's just they do it every time anyway. But they'll stand up there and they'll give directions in case of a plane crash or in case of trouble. And they'll say if they lose cabin pressure, uh, the oxygen masks are going to fall out of the ceiling. And then, and this is what they do. They instruct the parents. They instruct the parents. And they say, if you have a small child with you, first, first, put it on yourself. Talking to the parent, the mother, the father. First, put it on you. Then, put it on the child. Now, what do they know? What do they know? Well, they know that the, the first instinct of a parent is to care for their child, to protect their child. If, if somebody pulls out in front of you, first thing you do is reach over there to try to protect the child. And, 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 but they know this, that if you're busy trying to help them and you lose consciousness, you're not going to be any good to that child. 
So you need to make sure you're okay so you can make sure they're okay. And this is, this is an amazing thing. Paul is saying, listen, before you try to take care of the congregation, you need to make sure you're okay. You need to watch over yourself. How is your spiritual life? Say, preacher, I've been a Sunday school teacher all my life. I've been a preacher all my life. I've been a deacon and I've been this and I've been that. It doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you are. doesn't matter how long you've been it. How is your walk? Sometimes we can get so busy serving him that we fail to spend time with him. And I'm telling you, that's the first, that's the first step to burnout. First step. You have to take heed. You have a personal responsibility. And he tells him before, before you step into the pulpit, are you right? Are you where you need to be? Take heed to thyself. Take heed to thyself. Listen, there was a personal responsibility. But then B, write this down. There was a practical responsibility. There was a practical responsibility. He said, take heed, be cautious, be careful, pay attention to yourself, pay attention to your spiritual walk, pay attention to your spiritual life, pay attention to your relationship with God. He says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost, watch this now, watch this now, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. There's that word we talked about a while ago. Overseers to feed the church of God to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Now, what is the practical responsibility to lead and feed? Say it with me to lead and feed. He's saying, listen, you're going to have to lead. You're going to have to take oversight. You're going to have to oversee the flock of God, not your flock. It is not your flock. It is God's flock. He's the one paid for it, not you. You are not the shepherd. You're the under shepherd. You are to feed the church. You're to feed the flock of God. Peter, Peter lines right up with that. Peter lines right up with that when he says in first Peter chapter five, watch what he says. The elders, which are among you, I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but if, that means money. That means money. Are you doing it for the money? Are you doing it uh, uh, for, the, for, the, the, for the wealth, for the power? But of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage. Watch what I said. You remember what I said earlier? How, how are we to lead? It says, but being in samples, to the flock. One of my greatest responsibilities, and I, I don't remember whether it was Sunday or Wednesday of last week, but I told you, and I, I listen, I, 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 there was a major emphasis on the feeding of God's flock, the taking of God's word and breaking it down and teaching it line by line, principle by principle, truth by truth. I am responsible to lead and to feed lead and to feed. Uh, there are so many churches that are weak and anemic. I mean, you can compare it to the human body. If you are malnourished, 
If you're malnourished, you're going to have an immune system that's weak and it's going to catch every disease known to man. And it's the same principle goes in the body of Christ. If, if the church is malnourished, if the body of Christ is malnourished, if they're not getting the meat of the word, if the babies are not getting the milk of the word, and if the adults, the seasoned saints, are not getting the meat of the word, they're going to be malnourished and they're going to catch diseases and they're going to believe false doctrine and they're going to believe in things and be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine that we learn about in Ephesians chapter number 4. Man, it's so important. Paul is saying, after you take care of your personal responsibility, you have a practical responsibility. He said, preach the word. He said, I taught publicly and house to house. And listen, I preached the word. He told Timothy and he charged Timothy. He said, I'm telling you, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. Why? The time's going to come when people will heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears. Preach the word. The power is not in man's opinion. The power is not in man's theories. The power is in the gospel. Preach the word. Feed the flock. Feed the flock. If you don't, they're going to be malnourished. If you don't, they're going to be weak and anemic. Listen, they can't be weak and they can't be anemic. They've got to know the word. The scriptures teach us that my people are destroyed. Destroyed. Why? For a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge. Study. Listen, feed them the word. Feed them the word. The practical responsibility, feed and lead. They are to be overseers. They are to guide the church. And then we see, last of all, see. There's not only a personal responsibility. He said, take heed to yourselves. There's a practical responsibility, feed and lead. But then there's a protecting, write that down, protecting responsibility. Protecting. Why? Verse 29. For I know this. He says, take heed, watch. Verse 31 says, therefore, watch. Why? For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch. This was such a concern. This was such a concern to Paul. Look what he says. Look what he says in the end of verse 31. This is amazing. He said, for three solid years, three solid years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul was so concerned about this. This bothered Paul so bad that he he told him night and day, for three years, warning them, be careful, be careful, be careful. There's two things that Paul says in this, in this deal with the wolves. He said there's going to be wolves to come in. And, and that, is, that is trouble from the outside. That's false teachers from the outside. 
But the saddest thing I've seen in here, he said, look at, look at verse, look at verse 30. Look at verse 30. Also of your, what? Own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things. It means twisted things. In other words, you're gonna, you're gonna face danger from the outside, but you're also gonna face danger from the inside. In other words, there's gonna be people that Paul possibly has, has led to the Lord or, or people that possibly Paul has, has discipled and has been amongst the congregation for a while. He says, listen, the danger is not just from the outside. The danger is from the inside. Everything that glitters is not gold. Everything that sounds spiritual is not spiritual. The Bible says that the devil has angels that are angels of light. They, they, they come to you and everything looks good and sounds good and it feels good. But he said, you got to be careful because they're going to twist things. They're going to speak perverse things. They're going to take scripture and twist it. They're going to take truths and twist it for their own benefit. Now watch, what, what, what are they after? What are they after? Look what it says. Look what it says. Verse 30. Why would somebody twist scripture? Why would somebody stand up in a congregation and, or, or not necessarily stand up in the congregation, but start calling people behind the scenes or meeting with people for lunch or for dinner and fellowshipping together and, and talking about how they disagree with the pastor. They disagree with this teaching or that doctrine or this behavior. Why would they do that? Why, why would they do that? Why would they stand up and begin to do that? Look what it says, verse 30. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things. Watch this. To draw away disciples, what? After them. After them. Be careful. Be careful of anybody that tries to, 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 to turn you against the person that God's put in responsibility over you. The Bible says that they are overseers. They have been given the responsibility by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit to lead and to feed. But Paul is saying there's going to be people that stand up and amongst you that's going to have opinions that differ, that's going to have, have uh, uh, well, this is what I think, this is what I, well, here's the, it's the best thing to do. Here's the best thing to do. Let me help you with that. This is, this is the greatest thing to do. When somebody does that to you, Say, well, man, that's interesting. That's a, that's a, that's a, that, that's very interesting. Let's go see the preacher and 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 let's see what he thinks about that. Let's let's go. Let's let's find out what the answer is to that deal. Let's go. And I promise you, I promise you, ninety nine percent of the time, well, no, no, we don't, we don't need to, we don't because it's not, it's not about a truth. It's about trying to get a following. The Bible says they're trying to get disciples after them. They want, they want popularity and they want the pat on the back and they want people to think that they're important. They want people to think that they're spiritual and they want, they want to pull a gathering to themselves. And the saddest part about that, the saddest part about that, when I've seen that happen and I've seen that operating in church, it's always the baby Christians that get pulled into that garbage because they only know enough to know that whatever the little bit of truth that they're using sounds good, but they have no idea the agenda that's behind it. Paul says, be careful. Be ca Can you imagine? 
Can you imagine? I, I, I can almost I can almost see Paul's face as he's telling them, be careful. I, I, I can almost imagine that there's probably tears welling up in his eyes at the, at the time because Paul is so aware of what's... And by the way, it did. It did. False teachers did come. They struggled. They had to the point, to the point that... Anyway, I don't. I don't have time. I wish. I wished I did. Listen, he had to instruct and go read First and Second Timothy. First and Second Timothy is Paul encouraging Timothy, who was there at Ephesus, trying to lead that congregation and struggling and having issues and having problems. Listen, be careful. Be careful, preacher. What? How can we sum all this up? How can we sum all this up? What's, what? What? What can we take from this whole lesson? We know that primarily this was an address to pastors. Uh, and, and, but what can we take from this? Say, I, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a teacher. What can I take from this? Well, here, here's what we can apply. Here's what we can apply. We have a personal responsibility. We have a personal responsibility. We, we have a course. We have a race to run. We have a ministry. All of us do. You don't have to be a preacher to have a ministry. You don't have to be a, a teacher, Sunday school teacher to have a ministry. We all have a ministry. We all have a responsibility of winning the loss. That is the, that is the calling and commandment to every Christian is to win the loss. We are to be sharing our faith. We are to be winning lost people to Christ. And in the midst of that, let's, let's, let's be careful of not getting so caught up in our ministry. We fail to care for our own spiritual health. Listen, let's be careful. How are we doing right now? How are you doing right now? Let's just, I got, I got four minutes. Let's just be straight up. Y'all ain't been in this building for six or seven weeks. How you doing? How you doing? Oh, I know, I know you're watching it online and, 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 and you're watching it on the internet and you're doing the best you can, best of what, what, what you can, but how you doing spiritually? I promise you this, the more, the more we're apart and the more that we are, 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 are ceasing to assemble, it's taking a spiritual toll. This is a fact. This is a fact. In the very beginning, when all this started, there was, there was an overwhelming number. There was an overwhelming number on, that are watching online because it was something new. It was something different. The, the new, and if you, any, anytime we've ever done anything and it's new, everybody's a part of, but little by little, the new has wore off week by week. And there's a reason there's a, listen to me. Don't you turn that, don't turn that knob. Don't turn it down. Turn me up. I want you to listen real good. There is a reason that God said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because the more that piece of coal is pulled away from the fire, the dimmer it's going to get and the cooler and colder it's going to get. How are you doing? Listen, stay tuned. We just got a little bit more time, a little bit more time, and we're going to be gathering back together. Be careful. Don't slip up. Don't, don't get so caught up in what's going on because I've seen it over and over and over again. People start, it's kind of like this, church, a motor going bad. Do you realize the motor starts skipping before it quits? 
and people will miss here or miss it. They start missing Wednesday night Bible study. And then, then, then every now and then it might be a Sunday. Well, they just kind of, we're just going to take a, a, a day off today. And little by little, little by little, they don't just all of a sudden get out. They don't just all of a sudden go cold on God. It happens little by little by little by little. That's why Paul says, take heed to yourself. How are you doing? How are you doing right now? Listen, hang tight. Whatever you got to do, pray extra hard. Listen, if you feel yourself getting cold, just pray extra hard. We're almost there. We're almost there. Don't quit now. Listen, I encourage you. I encourage you. Let's finish our course. Let's finish our race. Take heed. Take heed to yourself first. And then don't forget, we still have a responsibility. We still have people to win. We still have a gospel to share. We still have a responsibility to tell people about Jesus. One day, one day, we're going we're gonna to stand before Jesus. And I want to hear, I want to hear, I know Paul heard it. I want to hear, well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I hope you hear that and I hope you receive it. Listen, let's, 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 let's finish our course. Let's hang tough. Let's hang tough. In just a few days, in just a few days, we'll be gathered together again. Don't burn out and don't quit. Don't give up till that happens. All right. I hope y'all have a good night. Hope y'all have a great week and be praying about this Sunday. It's going to be a great service. We'll see you then. Good night.